0: Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life, and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, good morning. I almost just tripped. I don't know what happened there. How are we doing? Good. How many of you are enjoying the month of July? Some of you. How many of you are ready for January? Yes. I'm glad that there was not excitement around that because um, winter is from Satan. And so I am uh, enjoying soaking up as much vitamin D as I can. Uh, which has been nice, which doesn't really do anything. I just turn red for two days and then I go white again. Uh, and so, I'm, if anyone has any tips for tanning, uh, please let me know. Uh, but biologically speaking, I don't think that that gene was passed down to me. And so, um, but I'm trying to enjoy summer as much as I can, lots of sunscreen. Hey guys, um, first and foremost, I just want to welcome everyone here today. Uh, We are kicking off a collection of talks, kind of a mini-series that we're calling Summer Stories or Stories to be Told, uh, where we're looking at four different parables that Jesus taught from in response to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And what I think is really cool— about this is uh, a lot of times, especially in our Western world, it's very focused on uh, education and academics, which all of that is good and needed. And we should go to school and we should get really smarter. Um, and you catch that, you know, anyways, um, some of you, thank you. But the way that Jesus taught was not a bunch of deep theological statements It was through stories and illustrations. And so sometimes we use illustrations here. Sometimes we use different stories. um, And the reason being is if it was worked for Jesus, it should work for us. And so uh, we're actually going to look at a story that Jesus told or a parable is the theological term, a story that Jesus told to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And I'm I'm really excited about this one this week and next week. I'm really excited about because they kind of go hand in hand um, with each other. And you're going to see that, that really through this entire series, there's going to be a lot of similarities that end up coming up uh, that Jesus ends up talking about as he illustrates uh, his point about the kingdom. And so if you've got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 14. It's also going to be up on the screen over here. Uh, we're going to read through it and then we'll kind of dissect it a little bit and, um, and then we'll go from there. Sound like a plan? Yeah. All right, cool. Luke chapter 14, the parable of the great banquet. Anyone ever been to a banquet here? Anyone ever been to a wedding? That's kind of like a banquet. All right. Um, uh, Anyone ever been to a fancy dinner? Anyone ever had a date night where you took your spouse out somewhere fancy? A few of you? Okay. Some of you guys, the rest we're going to, we'll teach you about that later on. He said, this is verse 12, he said also to the man who had invited him." When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15. When one of those who was reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who can eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But he, being Jesus, said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But all alike began to make excuse. If you're taking notes, you're gonna see three things that we're gonna talk about. The first he said, the first of them said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excuse. That's the first one. The second one said, I have bought... Five yoke of oxen, and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. And bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what do you command has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for today. And Lord, I just ask that as we dive into your word that you would just speak, Father, that ultimately your gospel would be proclaimed in this house today. Father, that it would be your words that are being said and that I personally would get out of your way. And so Lord, we exalt you this morning and we love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. Um, So going back to asking the question one more time, how many of you guys have ever been to a fancy dinner? It could be a wedding, it could be a date night, it could be you're going to a fancy restaurant. So, so almost, almost everyone in here. Uh, last, I believe it was October, it may have even been like November or January, I'm not entirely sure, um, Millie sent me a text message, Pastor Millie sent me a text message and said, hey, do you and Christy want to go to a dinner um, with, I, I, I believe it was the ambassador of Finland. And I'm like, huh, no. Like she's laughing. She knows exactly where I'm going with this. Um, I don't do fancy. Like I like fancy things, but I don't really like uh, where you have to dress up. I've got one suit. All right. Um, and, and normally what happens is I'll wear that one suit and I'll lose my jacket and then I have to go buy another suit and then the pants won't match. And so I just, I just kind of keep buying a new suit every time there's a wedding or a funeral because that's about the only time I wear it. And so I, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I, I don't know what to wear. I don't have anything, you know, why am I, why, don't, why are we being even invited to go to this this dinner? And, and so look at the invitation and um, as I'm looking at the invitation, I'm like, all right, so this is on the east side of Manhattan and it's like this penthouse suite that's overlooking Central Park. And I'm like, all right, this seems really cool. It also feel like you've got to be able to have like $10 million to get in. And, and, and so I'm just like, all right, We'll, we'll kind of see how this goes, and, and so then I go to Christy, and so, so Millie's like, oh, it could be like a date night for you guys, right? And so I'm like, hey, Christy, and if, y'all that know my wife, um, she is not fancy at all, and that's one of the things I love about her, but she, uh, so I go, Christy, how do you feel about going to this dinner? And she's like, you're out of your mind, and, and I'm like, but it would kind of be like a, a date night, you know, and she's like with a man that I don't know. I'm like, valid, valid, touché. You know? And um, so she tells her family, and then her family's like, oh my gosh, the ambassador, you need to go. And, and there's these people that are gonna be like, this is awesome. You know, God opens doors. And I'm like, yeah, okay, get behind thee, Satan, you know? And um, so we're having this conversation. Long story short, we finally end up going, and I have no idea what to expect. And so he's, and, and maybe maybe you're fancy like this and you've got an apartment like this, um, but we get over to his, his house, his apartment on the east side, upper east side of Manhattan, overlooking Central Park and Billionaire's Row. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, And so we get in there uh, and we get into the elevator and the elevator goes directly to his apartment. And so like, it just opens up and he's just like, hello, how are you? And I'm just like, hello, do I shake your hand? Do I kiss your ring? I I really don't know how this works, you know? And um, it wasn't that bad. And so we go in there and... uh, (laughs) And there's maybe a dozen people that were invited from the Sunset Park neighborhood uh, to this dinner. And so we're, we're sitting there, and they start off with hors d'oeuvres. And I'm, and I'm like, all right, this is, I'm thinking this is going to be like a dinner. Like we're going to you know, have a you know, plate of spaghetti or something like that and keep it simple, Italian style. He's Finnish, you know, not Italian. I should have known that. So then they have the hostess come out of the kitchen. And I'm like, this dude has Hostess working in his house, and they're like handing us some some fish hors d'oeuvres and, um, and and drinks here, and here's some sparkling water, and 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 so, and then and then he's like, now it's time to go and have dinner. And I'm like, so we're 45 minutes into this at this point, all right? So. We walk into the dining room, and it's this massive table, and there's only like two tables like this in the world. He had to point that out to us, and really nice guy, really, really nice guy. I want to make that very clear. Uh, He's a politician, all right? We'll just leave it at that. So then he goes, if you would, please check your seating assignment. Now, I'm thinking that they're going to put couples next to each other, right? Right? You know, like I would be next to my wife. I can hold her hand. She can kick me in the foot whenever it's time to go. Uh, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, all right? And uh, and so no, that's not what happened. They had me at the head of the table, all right? And so I, you know, the you know the first will be last, the last will be first, and we are the head and not the tail. So I'm claiming it, naming it in Jesus' name. So I'm at sitting at the head of the table, and they put my wife. Who doesn't talk to a lot of people, is not extroverted, very introverted, right next to the guy who's hosting us. And so the whole time during dinner, which it wasn't a one-course meal or a two-course meal or a three-course meal, it was like seven courses that they brought out, and it was absolutely delicious food. The whole time my wife is sitting over there, you know, someone would ask a question, and she would just, you know be giving me that look like what did you bring me to, you know? And I'm just like, the death stare is coming, you know? Um, long story short, it was, it was a great opportunity. And uh, actually Resurrection Church got recognized uh, with the Finnish people. And, um, and so we just, we had a good time. And, but to end the night off, we, we walked outside and it started pouring down rain. And uh, so my wife is in a, is in a you know, fancy dress and heels and stuff. And we're walking, I almost tripped again. Um, walking down, you know, by Central Park to our right. And I don't know if this is how ladies in high heels walk. I really don't know, but she's walking and it just starts pouring. And I'm like, all right. I just felt like I didn't belong there. Like, have you ever been to those places where you, you, you're in an environment and you don't belong there? I, I think about this story right here that Jesus is telling about how there is this rich master And he wanted to throw a big banquet dinner for the elite, for his friends, for the people who had money and who had yoke of oxen multiple and and who had land and wealth. And when it came time for the actual dinner, who was it that ended up showing up? Not his quote unquote friends, not his people that he was doing business with, but the outcast the lame, the broken. And I think about how Christy and I got an incredible opportunity uh, to go to this dinner, and next time I'm going to nominate Pastor Victor and Millie to go. All right? Just throwing that out there. Like, revenge, baby. We're at it, you know? Um, But, like, I, I think about this dinner over here and how it was very elite, very fancy. We had to dress up. We got our pictures taken. Um, it was and it was absolutely amazing. It was it was a really 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 good time. But then I also think about the homeless shelter where we've served in. And and in this story, where would Jesus be? Where would Jesus be? Because. I I think the principle of the story is that the kingdom of heaven is like a big banquet. And the master is up there preparing the food, preparing the table, setting the table for anyone who would come. But notice how there's three individuals who say, hey, we've got other stuff going on over here. Uh, We're not going to come. And so the master says, well, go to the homeless shelters, go to the alleys, go to the drug addicts, go to the prostitutes. And all of those who would come into my house, get them in my house so that my house may be filled so that my church may be filled so that the kingdom of God may be filled and, and he's having this conversation and this is important for us to to recognize and, and this won't be on the screen but let me just read this to you this is chapter 14 to set it up verses one on Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees so where is Jesus right now he's sitting in the house of of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. He's sitting with the prestigious, with the elite, with the people that had money, with the people who knew all their theology, with the people that had it all. And as he's sitting there, he says, hey, next time you end up throwing a dinner, don't invite all of these religious elites. Go invite, let me just recap it. Go invite the poor, the crippled, verse 13, the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. So Jesus is setting up this parable by using this illustration that he's literally at right here. He's sitting there hanging out and he says, hey, you know, next time we're we're all sitting here doing this, why don't you invite some people that don't look like you? Why don't you invite some people that don't talk like you? Why don't you invite some people that don't have the same social or economic status you. See, if we can just have real talk for just a moment, most of us in our circles or in our tables or in whenever we have an outdoor barbecue and we invite our friends over, we invite people who look like us, act like us, are in the same circles that we do and in the same socioeconomic status as us. Because that's who we're comfortable with, Right? We we want the people that are like, oh, okay, you're my best friend. Come on over. We're gonna have a big barbecue, or, or you know, you, you we we work at the same company. Let's let's come over here. And Jesus is saying, I want you to invite people who don't look, act, smell anything the way you do. See, and this is where it gets real quiet in here because y'all sitting there thinking, because if you would be honest with yourself, we're really comfortable with the people that are like us but the people who are not like us, or maybe have a different political background than us, or maybe grew up in a different socioeconomic status as us, or maybe who didn't have the fancy things that we did, or maybe didn't grow up in a impoverished environment the way we did, those people make us a little uncomfortable. Because they're different. And being different, well, it makes us uncomfortable. It's not easy. It's not easy to sit there and to have a conversation with someone who sees the world completely different than you do. It's not easy to sit there and have a conversation for someone who voted for a different president than you voted for. It's not easy to sit there and and have a conversation with someone who views sexual orientation or their identity different than you. But what Jesus says is those people out there, that's who I want at my table. Those people out there who are different, those people who are broken, those people who are sick, those people who are lame, let's fill the house up with them. And I'm going to build my kingdom. Let me put it this way. This is what he said to Peter, right? Matthew 16. I'm going to build my church out of those people, the broken, the crippled. The lame. Now, for him to be saying this in front of a Pharisee was huge. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to look at three people in this story. That was all my intro. 15 minutes worth. It's a joke. I want to look at three different people. The first person is the honor. The first honored guest was a person of wealth. And he said this. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Now, I think that this first person... Uh, represents wealth in our society. It it represents what we deal with. And honestly, it represents with what Garvey talked about last week, which, by the way, give it up for Garvey. He he did a great job. But it represents chasing paper. It it represents developing wealth. Now, here's something. I don't know if you know about this, um, but unless it's an act of God... If you buy a plot of land, it's not gonna magically just pick up and disappear tomorrow. It's gonna be there tomorrow, right? And, and so home dude gets an invite to the master's table and he says, hey, I just bought some land. I gotta go check it out. And I wanna be like, dude, your land's gonna be there tomorrow too. The temperature's gonna be the same tomorrow. It might rain, might be sunny. I, I don't know, but it, it's gonna be the same tomorrow. But I really think that this right here symbolizes wealth And how wealth in our society can end up becoming a god or an idol in our lives. Right? Wealth. We we work so that we can have nice things. And we work so that we can put money in our 401k. We work so that we can buy property. We work so that we can buy a car. We work so that we can have food on our table. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the moment that what it is that you're working for ends up becoming your idol, the very thing that you can end up buying is the moment that you've given God your seconds and, and not your first. The moment that it ends up becoming an idol in our life. And, and I heard I heard one, one pastor say it like this, and I'm probably going to butcher it. There is nothing that you're going to buy that is not going to end up getting thrown out or end up in a landfill. Like, nothing is going to go with you into eternity. Have you realized that? Well, what about my house? You know, I'm going to pass it down to the next generation. Well, 300 years from now, someone in your family is going to decide that your house is old and busted up and they're going to demo that thing and it's going to be gone. It's not going to last. But what do we do in our society? We're chasing paper. Do you know how many rap songs are out there that are all about chasing paper? Chasing money the bling bling every time I turn around the corner. Yes, yes. Someone knows what I'm talking about. Why are you listening to that music? But, but like, this is. This is What What do we do? We're, we're, I got to get more. 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 And meanwhile, God's over there saying, hey, the more you're looking for, I'm over here and I've invited you to my table. Well, no, 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 no. I, I've got this land I just bought. I created that land that you just bought. I feel bad for y'all running camera right now because you're like going back and forth and so I'm so sorry. But I got, you know what it is? It's an excuse. It's an excuse. Now, let me make this very clear. Having nice things, having wealth, having houses, multiple houses, praise be to God. There's nothing wrong with that. If anything, I would encourage that because you create generational wealth that you can pass down from your generation to the next. So I strongly encourage that. And that is very biblical. Um, What I'm saying is, is the moment that that becomes your idol and what you're going after is the moment that you've missed it. It's the moment that we look at the master and we say, hey, I, I'm gonna go take care of my, my wealth, my land. I have some friends who, they, they now live in North Carolina. Um, extremely successful, extremely successful. I'm, I'm talking, um, this, this one particular person ends up working from home or worked from home and was making about 250,000 a year working like six hours because she was just that good at her job. Like just blew my mind and she's like four years younger than me. And then her husband, because she was making a lot of money, her husband was able to go out and, and, and he you know coached people and lifted and he was a personal trainer. And so he's making you know, a lot of money that way as well. Um, but I looked at their life and they have wealth, but they use that wealth to be a steward for the kingdom of God. And so here's what I mean. They lived in an apartment that cost them, you know, right at, I guess, the, the, the poverty line. They invited people over and they would cook them meals. And then on top of that, they were ridiculous in their generosity. Ridiculous. I'm talking about someone's going through financial trouble. Here's $3,000. And they would just bless people left and right, left and right. There's nothing wrong with wealth as long as we're using the wealth to steward the kingdom of God. The second person we see here, the second guest that gets invited is he just bought five yoke of oxen and so he has to go check on that. And I think for many of us, and I'm gonna get very personal with you right now, I think that this symbolizes work in our life. Work in our life how, if I have to look at these three, this is my, this is, this is, this is me. I'm, I'm guest number two. I love my job. I love what I get to do. I love thinking of new ideas. I love strategizing. I love problem solving. Like I genuinely enjoy it. You know, I know some of you are like, I hate my job. I go nine to five or eight to four or whatever it is your work schedule is. And my boss yells at me and she's smacking gum every time she talks to me. And, um, and you know, it's absolutely miserable, but it isn't that way for me. I actually enjoy what I do. I love I, and I'm blown away that God has given me the privilege to be able to do this. Like what an honoring uh, or, or humbling thing to be able to serve him and honor him with my life this way. But there's a moment where my work can end up becoming my God instead of God end up being my God and providing me with work. You, you catch in with me with that. Work is good, we are created to toil the ground, because of, because of sin entering into the world, uh, we, are, we are gonna work the rest of our lives until Jesus Christ ends up coming back. It is a part of how God designed things and how God is reconciling the world back to himself. But if we're not cautious, we can take work and use work as an excuse to miss the table that God is calling us to. See, this is, this is how we say it. And you know, I love Jesus, I just, I have this project that we've been working on that I gotta get done. And so I'm just gonna go work on this project for the next you know six weeks, and then I'll, I'll come back to you, God. But what happens is that project that was supposed to last for six weeks ends up lasting for eight weeks or 12 weeks. And then before we know it, we've been disconnected with the body of Christ, we've been disconnected in our relationship with God, and God, who's sitting there inviting us to the banquet table, we've completely bypassed because we want to work listen being busy does not make you successful i will be the first you want you want to see my calendar you want to see my schedule it's ridiculous you know what i'm learning it doesn't matter how many meetings i have doesn't how many people it matter how many people i talk to there comes a point where God created the Sabbath and I need to enter into the Sabbath so that I can honor him with my rest and so that I can prioritize the relationship with my family and with my wife. Like God gave us rest for a reason. It was his idea. He created the world and then he said, it is good, let's rest. Jesus, you ready to rest? Yeah. Holy Spirit, how about you? It sounds like a good idea. Boom. Then they took a whole day off. God did. And He created us in His image. And so, us prioritizing our work above our relationship with God, above the principles in Scripture, man, we want to know why we're so worn out. It's because you're not resting. And and listen, I'm preaching to the choir. It is easy for me to work seven days a week. I love it. But if I do that for three months, I'm going to get burned out. And oftentimes we get burned out and then we blame God because we're so busy. And God's like, "I I didn't make you busy. You're the one that filled up your calendar. Like I did not, you know, my angels did not come down from heaven and say, Michael, you need to take meetings on this day. No, that was you because you were being a moron. Because you thought it was successful for you to be busy. You guys tracking with me with that? Point number 3 or person number 3, guest number 3, and then I'm going to get to preachy in just a minute, all right? So we're going to we're going to get there. I know I haven't yelled a lot today, but um some of y'all are like, "Thank you Jesus." And another said verse 20, "I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come." All right. Let's pause here, need to make a statement before I dissect this, all right? We believe that marriage between a man and a woman is a good God-given thing, and we encourage people to get married. Like, it is very clear, Scripture says in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. So out of that, he created Eve, or woman. And, And so now, the problem with this is, Is he was prioritizing his wife over his relationship with God. This is what Matthew Henry says about this particular text right here. Our affection in our relations often proves a hindrance to us in our duty to God. I want you to think about that again. Our affections in our relations or relationships often proves a hindrance to us in our duty to God. Listen, it wasn't that he couldn't go to the dinner. He chose not to. Like the master invited the whole city. Go, go out, get the crippled, the lames, the highways, the byways, the back alleys, the corners, the bars, the prostitute rings. Go get them all in here. We're going to fill this house. Meanwhile, this dude is like, um, I got a new wife, so can we be excused? And I'm pretty sure the master would have been like, hey, bring your wife. I got a, t- a chair for her too. Now, here's the problem with this. And this is, this is where I'm gonna get really preachy. And then men, I'm gonna talk to you for just a minute. And I'm gonna talk to you because I love you, okay? Um, the Lord wants to fill his table. So yes, he could have brought his spouse. But notice what the man does right here. He blames his wife, What did Adam do in the garden? He blamed his wife. So men, quit blaming your wife. I'm I'm being real talk. I love you. I love you. That's why it's so quiet in here today. Y'all like, you're not getting me pumped up. We'll get there. We'll get there. But men, be a dude Fear God, love the Lord, and lead your family well. Lead your family well. The best thing you can do for your spouse and for your children is for you to honor and demonstrate obedience unto God, radical obedience to God, instead of just blaming your wife when things don't go well. Sometimes it's best for us dudes to keep our mouths shut and be like, hey, honey, kids, we're gonna get in the car, we're gonna get on the D train. I don't want to go to church today either, but I'm going to honor God and we're going to go into that. Why? Because the next generation matters because my family matters. All the ladies are like, hallelujah. And all the men are like, get off the stage, you know, (laughs) but listen, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, you think that I'm perfect. Please, please know that I'm not. You, You should have been in my house this past week. Because in my house this past week, I've got two kids, one who was in school, the others who about to go to school, Judah and Allie, and, um, and I love my kids. But man, after two weeks of summer vacation, I'm ready for school to start again. Can I get an amen from the parents? Like, like y'all that homeschool, I don't know how y'all, there is a special grace on people who homeschool. And I mean that, I mean that for real. But like, and then on top of that, Christy and I, we're arguing over stupid stuff over stupid stuff. And, and so I, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I'm gonna say it and there's grace for that. And so I called my mom the other day, which is not the best thing. you know. I was like, mom, Christy said this to me. Well, well Michael, what, what, what did you say to her? I was just so angry, mom, and I can't believe she said that to me and it really hurt my feelings. Well, Michael, why don't you just do what Christ did and honor her the way that he honored the church? i was just like, mom, I don't want to talk about that right now. I kid you not. I anyone ever, like, they give you the right answer and it's the Jesus answer. And you're just like, I just want to push you in front of a bus right now. You know, like, don't even talk to me about that. But I'm sitting there literally driving down the road. I'm like, mom, I don't want to hear it. Well, Michael, you need to get on your face before God right now. You need to make sure your heart, mom, shut up. Which also don't tell your mom to shut up. All right. <laughs> like, I'm, I mean that for real. And, and so um, I'm just like, mom, I don't. And she's like, well, Michael, remember Christ calls you to love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. And he died for the church. And so men, Christ has called you to love your wife the same way he loved the church. And he died for his church. You know what that means for us men? That means you're gonna to die to your preferences. You're gonna to die to your wishes. You're gonna to die to your wants. And you're gonna come home at eight o'clock and you're gonna put your kids in bed and you're gonna kiss them goodnight and then you're gonna spend an hour or two making sure that your wife and her soul and everything there is taken care of and God is flourishing in that relationship and then she might go to bed and you're gonna to go to bed completely exhausted and that's the way God intended it for men. Men, quit being lazy. Be the man of God God has called you to be. And then it got quiet. Look, if you've got complaints, you know who to send the email to. Santi at reschurchny.com. All right, jumping back. Let's wrap this thing up. So here you've got the first man. His issue was wealth. The second man, his issue was work. The third man, his issue was he wasn't leading his wife. And he was using his wife as an excuse, just like Adam did in Genesis chapter 3. And so what does the master do? He goes out and he calls the lame, the broken, the sick, and says, those are the people that need to be at the table. Now, I want you, going back to Luke chapter 14, verses 1, right? Um, Who was Jesus sitting at the table with? A Pharisee. Someone was paying attention. Thank you. Jesus was sitting at the table with a Pharisee. A Pharisee who they would consider the people that Jesus was calling to the table unclean and not holy and not set apart. And because of that, they would not associate themselves with them. But Jesus is sitting there reclining because they didn't have chairs the way that we think of. There's a table right here. He leans over and he says, hey, let me tell you about these. Three men. This man went off to wealth. This man went off to work. This man went off with his wife. So you know what the master should do? The master went out, and he should invite everyone in the streets to come. And so the servant went out and goes, and then Jesus leans over, and I could just... You know, who knows? Maybe it was Nicodemus he was in front of or or maybe it was Caiaphas. We don't know who he was exactly sitting in front of. But I could just imagine Jesus leaning over and then saying, hey, um, the house still wasn't filled. Go out and go get more. And then go out and go get more. And then Jesus turns after telling this story to this religious leader and he looks at him and he says, this is what I've called you to do. Next time you have. dinner. Next time you have a banquet, next time you have a big special feast, get the people who are broken because they have a seat at the table in the kingdom of God. They have a seat in the presence of God. But these three people over here, they're not gonna be invited anymore. I want us to really think about this for just a minute and I wanna turn really quick and ruber- you can come up. Um, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 25. Just jump with me to verse six. It'll be on the screen as well. And this is Jesus telling the story and almost like a fulfillment of what Isaiah 25 says. It says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, not grape juice, wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is the cast of all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all the faces and the reproach from the people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Verse nine. And it will be said on that day, bless or behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And then you jump to Revelation chapter 19. And in Revelation chapter 19, John the Revelator is is describing this vision. And you know what he says? He says, I see this vision in the heavens and there is this massive table and there is the King of Kings sitting at this table. And there's all these people who are coming to this table and they're gonna get fine food and they're gonna get fine wine and there's not gonna be any more tears. There's not gonna be any more pain. There's not gonna be any more brokenness. All of that is being made new. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. And so I I think about this. Jesus is sitting there in front of the religious league. Jesus is sitting there in front of his Jewish audience. And he's sitting here and he's telling them, all the people who you've ostracized, who you've pushed out, who you've made pay a higher temple tax, who you've done all these things to to keep them far from God, bring them to my table because they matter to me. And come, come to my table. Come to my table. this is why Jesus starts out, and he starts out the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter five verses three, and he said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God." And so what does that poor spirit mean that literally means that you need a savior? That literally means that you are broken and inside you are spiritually bankrupt. And God says, those people, they're gonna get the kingdom of God. They're gonna get the kingdom of God. They're gonna be at the table on that day. You know why I think it's interesting that Jesus turns and he says, go invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, It's because those people, they knew something was wrong with them. The poor, they know they're not rich. The crippled, they know that they're broken. The lame, they know that they have a sickness. And they know that they need a Savior. Meanwhile, you have the three honored guests who had enough wealth to think that he was okay. Okay. Or who loved his job so much to think that he could just work his way for his salvation, or who had a new wife and thinks that she would maybe satisfy her or satisfy him and not be not really need a savior. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is simple, guys. It's also very complex. It is literally what we look at through our normal American worldview. And Jesus takes it and he flips it upside down. And he says, the last will be first. The poor in spirit will become rich. The weak will have strength. Why? Because it's the people that in their heart know that they need Jesus, he can look at that and he can say, hey, let me take that. Let me take that. Come to my table. Come to my table. Come to my table. It's the heart of our Father. And this is what the kingdom of God is like, a big banquet table. This is why for us, I cannot stress it enough or I want to just challenge us all how incredibly important it is that we get around people who are different from us because we are to imitate Christ. And Christ was around people who looked and acted nothing like him. But through that, he was able to usher in the kingdom of God. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Listen, maybe today you're the person who you've been seeking wealth. Maybe you're the person who's been overworking yourself at your job. Or maybe you're the person who has been prioritizing other relationships over the relationship with your Lord. Or maybe you're the crippled person or the broken person or inside you're spiritually depleted and you know that you need a Savior. I want to implore you today that the Savior of the world has a seat for you at His table. Will you come? Will you come? And will you respond to His invitation? And so listen, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have and you have turned your back on him and you've walked away, I want to encourage you, today is a day for you to come to the table. And right from where you are in just a minute, I just want to encourage you to just slip up your hand and I just want to pray for you and then we're going to sing a song. And I love this song because I believe that this song is the heart of our Heavenly Father where his mercy triumphs over judgment and all to him we will surrender. And during this time, man, I want to encourage us. Let's come. Let's come up here if we need prayer. Let's come up here if we need encouragement. Let's come to the altar. Let's come to the table. Let's come into the presence of God and let him deposit his kingdom inside of us and maybe transform our hearts from darkness into light, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh to a heart of not belonging, to a heart of having sense and purpose. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe today you need to re-up that commitment to Jesus, if you would, just slip up your hand right where you are and I just wanna pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? So Father, we just thank you, God. Father, we thank you for people who are saying yes to you today. God, people who are broken and hurting, recognizing and realizing that they need a savior. People who maybe are battling with insecurities and have been an outcast for their whole life, that today, God, you are saying you have a seat at my table. And so, Father, we just ask that right now that your saving grace would just fill this place, that your power would come in here that the powers of darkness would be broken off, Father, that your freedom will reign, that your kingdom will be made manifest through your church today, God. And that, Father, we would be a church who goes out to the highways, into the city gates, into the byways, into the broken places, into the bars, and the prostitution rings, and the drug addicts. And we say, Hey, I know a guy who has a place for you in his family. His name is Jesus. And that, Father, we would be able to fill this house with people who are broken, fill this house with people who are outcasts. But today, God, I ask that today would be the day of salvation for those that need it. And so I wanna do something. If we would, all just lift up our hands right now. And Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would just flood this place. God, that your Holy Spirit would just flood this place and that, God, you would speak to us. You would empower us, God, that we would be a church that doesn't have borders or limits, Father, we would be a church that pushes it to see your kingdom advance. Because all to you, Jesus, we surrender. God, we're coming to your table. Father, I'm coming to your table as a broken man who needs a savior. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at ResurrectionChurchOfNY.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at ResChurchNYC. Take care and God bless.